0: oh my gosh, I, loved, I just love the Lord. Don't you love the Lord, his presence? You know, when I first got saved, I said, man, this is wonderful. I didn't really know that I could feel that good when the Lord comes and touches you. You go like, okay, I know I belong to you, you belong to me, I'm one with you, I'm going to see you one day, but in the meantime, I got work to do. I've got work to do, I've got work to do. Okay, so we're going to finish up today on our study of love this Valentine's month love month, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop loving people, right? That's a continual thing that we have to do, and we know that uh, love actually comes from the Father. We don't have enough love in ourselves to do what we're supposed to do, but the Father so loved us that he did what? Gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, and Jesus came and demonstrated the love of the Father by dying on the cross Paid the price for our sins so that we can be in relationship with Him. And then the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes us and and encourages us and shows us how to love. Because some people are hard to love. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. You may be one of them yourselves, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, when I was single, everything I did was right. You know, it seemed like I had no problems. When I got married, I was doing everything wrong. I mean, I don't know what the problem was, but I had someone to (laughs) show me my ways, they praise the Lord. So uh, our love should blow people's minds. Our love, because when we love the unlovely, people can't understand that. They can't understand how we can love those that offend us. They can't understand how we can extend ourselves to love someone who doesn't deserve it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been part of a situation where you have to extend love when they weren't, when they were being honorary and you were being loving? It's a great feeling. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm being like God. I'm being, I'm using, I'm letting the Lord use me to do things in his behalf. Amen? Try it sometimes. Find the most honorary person that you can find and go ahead and love them and do some things that No one else would do, and watch their hearts turn, because God loves what? The just and the unjust. So we're going to look today at one of the most difficult scriptures in the Bible. Are you ready for it? One that doesn't make sense. It defies logic, completely opposite of what we naturally would do as human beings. It's found in the Beatitudes at the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Jesus was there on the Mount called his disciples and all those. And how many showed up? 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children. We don't know how many that was. But he gave the Beatitudes. And what is the Beatitudes? I always wondered what that meant. I looked it up. It's supreme blessedness or happiness. Ooh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Supreme blessedness and happiness. That means you're walking around the house and you're just feeling good about everything. Everything's going right in your, you know, in your favor. And so then I, I, my son he was in a play when he was younger, and they, it was called The uh, Beatitudes. And, and I found out that it means, this should be your attitude. <laughs> All right? How many of you need an attitude adjustment? Amen? Amen. Okay, nobody wants to admit to it? Okay, there, I've got one person. Okay. Now, we we had someone come last week, and they said, I I like the way Pastor Chuck teaches because he he doesn't make himself up to be better than anybody else or have already arrived, but he shows how he, you know, has to process things like I was at the grocery market, and this lady was, you know, taking her sweet time, and I'm trying to get through, and so something rose up on the inside of me like, lady, can you just please move it along. Okay. But that wasn't happening. So I had to change and flick my switch and put on my love character. And so I wound up giving her $12 to, you know, complete her transaction. Now, I don't know if I was happier that I was able to give to her or was happier to move her along, but either way, (laughs) God bless me for it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So, um, Another member, I was talking last week, I I like the way you guys take the messages and actually apply it to their life. And so one guy said, yeah, you know, I like that that you gave to the poor. And and I started doing that all the week, and I felt good about myself to give to the poor. Amen? And did you know, did you know that Jesus gave to the poor as well? You'd think he'd always just take some things in, but at the Last Supper, when Judas Uh, He said, one of you guys is going to betray me, and Judas left the Last Supper, and Jesus said to him, whatever you do, do quickly. And they thought, oh, he's just making the arrangements because he had the money pouch, or he was going to go give to the poor. That's how regularly Jesus gave to the poor. So we should give to the poor. Amen? There's a scripture. (laughs) Let me get to it. It says... uh, Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, that's a scripture that we don't really like to do too much, and I don't want any of you trying to test me on that because, you know, <laughs> it also says to give and it shall be given unto you, okay? <laughs> Praise his holy name. So let's look at this uh, in Luke, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Beatitudes. Do we have it up there? Beatitudes, Okay. Now, Jesus was there, he's preaching, and he goes, blessed are the poor in spirit, right, for theirs is the kingdom of God, Uh, kingdom of heaven. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Oh, this is all good stuff, right? He goes on, he says, uh, we're going to go on, (laughs) blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, because we shall be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I like that scripture. I'm very merciful, and I expect mercy to come to me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Isn't that beautiful? I'm sure people were there going, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful beautiful, Jesus. I love that message that we're going to be uh, comforted. We're going to inherit the earth. We're going to be filled with your righteousness. We're going to obtain mercy, and we're going to see God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, Martha, let's go now. That was a great message. Let's move on. And and, and, no, no, Jesus is not done yet. Oh, 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 there's more? And then (laughs) he went on. He says, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. What? What did he say? Have you ever had someone speak evil of you, uh, say false things about you? Do you rejoice? Or do you get on the phone and say, you, don't, you won't believe what so-and-so did, you know? Or you call your neighbor, you know what? I'm through with that person. No, it says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And they're all saying like, what kind, of, what kind of message is this? This doesn't sound like what it's supposed to say. It says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, what? Turn your left as well. What? What? I'm sure they were looking. What did he say? He said, he said, if you They hit you on one side of the cheek. You're supposed to turn and let them hit you the other side. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Does it? It says, if anyone sues you and takes away your tunic, give him your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, why is that? Because in Judea, the Roman military were occupying there, and they could make a law if they saw a Jewish person they, you had to carry their, their backpacks and all their, their gear at least one mile. No more, but at least one mile. And Jesus said, if they do that to you, go two miles. Wow. That's what I said. <laughs> it's like heaping burning coals of fire on their head. What does that mean? That means your loving kindness convicts them. And they go, whoa, I've never seen anything like it. Why do you do that? Because Jesus loves you. Amen. So, so now, now, now comes the real tough stuff. That was hard enough as it was, right? Rejoice when people talk bad about you. you know, people ask you for things, give them what they want and more. That means like when somebody borrows your money and then they come back the next week and say, oh, I, I need some more. So like, what happened to the, what I just gave you? Yeah. Amen. So this is a crazy doctrine. And then he goes on. Ready for the real hammer? Check this out. 43. You have heard it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And all the crowd said, Amen, Jesus. That's right. <laughs> love your neighbor and hate that neighbor that gives you a hard time, right? Is that true? <laughs> Actually, that's not what the Scripture said. In Leviticus 19, if we could show them that, Christ, this is the Scripture Christ is referring to, to them. He's telling them, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, thus saith the Lord. For I am the Lord, right? No hate in there. How did that get in there? Gina's like, how did it get in there? The Pharisees, them stinking Pharisees, added it in there, and they said, if we, if we have to love our neighbor, we can hate our enemy. But that's not the way it was. And, you know, it was passed down for 500 years. You're supposed to hate your enemy. And you know how it is. Sometimes you, you, you do, remember that game we used to play where you line up a bunch of people and one person tells somebody something and it goes down the line. By the time it gets to the end, it's not even the same thing that was said. That's what happened here. They just added it on. And, and the scripture above it in verse 17, this is how they convoluted this, you shall not hate your brother. He said, you're not, you're not supposed to hate your brother. In your heart, you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. In other words, you can correct somebody, guide him, you know, into the truth so that you're not partaker of their sin, right? So, um, it's like, how, how, do I, how do I explain this? When I was a young pastor, and people would come to me with a complaint or a problem with somebody else. And they would, I would hear it. I'm, they're complaining to me. And I'm going, yeah, OK, I'll straighten it out. Uh, OK. You know, they say uh, someone, I was at the picnic, and I had my food there. And I went to go get a drink. And I came back, and they moved my food to another table. And then these two people were sitting there laughing and having a good time at the picnic table. And I tried to confront them, and they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I've had it. So, pastor, I thought I'd come and talk to you. I go, I'll straighten it out. I'll take care of it. So I went to the two ladies, and I'm going like, what? that wasn't nice of you to move her, her, her food. That, that's not being very Christian of you. And she said, what do you? No, pastor, let me explain it to you. I, we just came there. The, the, it was already there. Somebody moved her, her, her plate because they wanted to make more room, so it wasn't really us. Sorry, I'm so sorry. My, my bad, my bad. And, and that's why I've learned that you don't really confront people right away when you hear a story. You go and ask them, tell me the story. What happened at the picnic table the other day? Right? So that they tell the story, and then you get the, the, the gist of it. Because when one person tells you the story, it sounds like, oh, okay, I'm going to get that person. Then you hear the other side of the story, oh, that's not the way it happened at all. Praise the Lord. So remember that when you're out there... Confronting people, praise the Lord. So it says, <laughs> "Love your enemies, bless those that curse you." Oh, glory to God! And, and that word "bless," you know what that means? It's where you get the word "eugelio." It's a that's a Hebrew or Greek word. It's where we get the term eulogy. It means to speak good of someone. When you go to a funeral. Uh, Homegoing, they speak good of the person, right? Even if they weren't good, you speak good. You find something that you can say that's good. For them. I went to one funeral one time, and they said, "Okay, who wants to say uh, you know something good about the person?" And nobody stood up. Nobody had anything good to say about this person. And I was trying, in my mind, trying to think something that, that I could say about it. I could, and then he said, he said, well, just think of some good things in your mind. And I go, okay, whatever. But that would be sad if you had a home going and you're going off and they can't say anything nice about you. Can't think of one thing. Glory to God. So anyway, he says, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. This is a tough saying, isn't it? In fact, I would like to cut it out of the Bible, wouldn't you? Let's let's do everything else but that. I think, you know, Thomas Jefferson had a Bible that some of the things he didn't like. Can I show him that picture of uh, Thomas Jefferson? See, do you see? He cut out some of the things he didn't want in there. It's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. And it's in Washington, D.C., because he didn't like the fact that, you know, Jesus was God. And he didn't like, he, he took out all the miracles and all the resurrection part of Jesus. And, and so he had his own Bible. His New Testament was only 89 pages. Hallelujah. Thank you. So this is one scripture that I think uh, we would take out, right? Love your enemies. Have you ever done that? Have you ever loved an enemy? You know, an enemy, okay, here's the definition of enemy if you look it up. It means the hated one, the hateful person. Don't hate the hated person. It's easy to pay back hate for hate, but God's saying don't do that. Don't, don't reciprocate the same thing, hate that they give you. You be the salt and light of the earth and be the difference maker. maker. You can change their heart. You can break their heart because they'll say, man, I'm no good, and you are. Praise God. So it says, why do we do this? Why do we try to do what God says? Because that's the way God is. He wants us to be just like Him, sons and daughters of the Most High. In verse 45, it says, "...that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who only love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same?" And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, verse 48, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, we have to look at that translation, perfect. We're not going to be perfect, right? Some people were asking, now, if I get baptized, does that mean I have to live a perfect life? I go, no, that's a little impossible to be perfect. But here's what perfect means. Ready? Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Who are they talking about here? Praise the Lord. We have to, we have to love one another. We can't hold grudges. We can't... You know, my, I have an Italian family, uh, Cecilia, and uh, we went back to New York one time, and there are some families that had grudges for 15 years. That's so long, they forgot why they were mad at the other person. And I guess it was something silly, like they didn't, weren't invited to the wedding or something crazy like that. And, and, and so they held, they held grudges. That's not good for you to hold on to those grudges. You've got to release them and let them go, right? That's toxic emotions that you have to let go and love one another. Praise God. Uh, so, so, you know, some people are hard to love. Some people are, are what? plain loud and obnoxious. Complain about everything. Judging everybody. <laughs> Forget, the Bible says, forgive as God has forgiven you, right? The Bible says, judge no man no man before the time. They may straighten out. It's a long life. They could get it right. Praise the Lord. You might be used to God. You know, I had a, a friend that uh, would tease me for many, many years, maybe 30 years, and <laughs> I know, and, and he just wouldn't change. And then finally, all of a sudden, he started doing things nice. I go, what happened? He goes, I'm just I'm trying to change my ways. Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> but here's what, here's what Jesus said in, in John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you, also, that you also love one another. See, it used to be love your neighbor as yourself, right? We learned last week that's not always a good standard. Because sometimes you don't love yourself. You ever get up and go, like, I don't know why, I just don't feel good today, you know, I'm kind of cranky, honorary. Things bother me. Bother me. <laughs> <laughs> so then you take that out to your family or to your neighbor or to the store. You know, you you're upset and you're yelling at the counter person and all these things, you know. You go to the tea the uh is a TSA at the airport and they sometimes give you a hard time when you're coming through and you want to yell, at them, "Where was your supervisor?" You know, I want to... we're late for our flight, can we just move it along here, you know? Sometimes you can't control. You have to control yourself. You have to be mature in the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you're supposed to love like Jesus loved. And Jesus put up with his disciples. Amen. He said sometimes, "How long must I bear with you?" How long must I I'd be with you? Where is your faith? Come on, guys, you got to believe. So he says a new command. This is a new command: love as I have loved you. In Ephesians four thirty-two, it says, "You ready for this? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you." Tenderhearted. What's tender-hearted mean? Not so not so hard-hearted, not so angry. tender Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you have to be that. Husbands have to be that to their wives. They have to be tenderhearted. Oh, okay, honey. I understand. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Okay. it a half hour. <laughs> Is there an end? Is there an end to this story? <laughs> tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God. For- we want to be forgiven, don't we? We got to forgive others. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. I got a long list of things I need to be forgiven for each and every day. Praise God. So there was a testimony of a testimony. I don't know if he's talking about him or me. I don't know. Praise the Lord. There was a minister, a woman. Her daughter was shot and killed. She was murdered. She's a minister of the gospel. You would think, God, where's your protection, right? So she found out about it and she had to process it. She had to come to grips with it. And she said, I'm going to forgive that person. And not only am I going to forgive them, I'm going to do something in an active way to show that I love uh, him. So she went to the prison cell and said, "I, I forgive you for what you did. And he was like shocked. How could that be? And she said, You know, my daughter wanted to be a missionary. So you took her life. Now you have to be a missionary in place of her. So what, he, what she did is she got a Bible online training course to be a minister. She sent it to the jail. He, he, he you know, took the course. He became ordained, and he started ministering in the jail there. Then when he got out, he, they became good friends, and they've been on the circuit. I don't know if you've seen them on TV, but they talk about how she's kind of adopted him because of forgiveness loving one. It's a hard thing to, to do to forgive. We have, four, we have four parents in this congregation alone that have had to forgive people that have murdered their sons or daughters. It's a real thing, especially out nowadays. It's crazy, right? So Romans 12, 17 through 20 says, Repay no one, no one, evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If, if it is possible... As much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And you might say, there's not much lying on the inside of me. <laughs> I can't be peaceable with this person. I know some of you are thinking of people right now. <laughs> that I just can't live with that person, okay? I, I, I can't handle that. I can't take their ways. They just really bug me. Now, we don't say we hate them. What do we say? I strongly dislike them. But just because you don't like them, guess what? That doesn't mean God doesn't like them. God still is holding out his open arms like we sang. Isn't that right? So we have to be like our Father in heaven and love those that are unlovely. And like I said, you might be one of those unlovely people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, and then it goes on and says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, uh, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. What's he saying? Don't do my job. I'll, I'll make sure they have to pay for what they did to you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We want to we get back at them. We want to do things, you know, to hurt them. God said, no, I'll, I'll take care of that. Praise the Lord. Now, in Romans 8.20, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, hopefully this will sink in. Maybe, you know, have a change of heart. Does anybody have any enemies or people that, you know, treat you wrong or people that bug you? Or Okay. No, no pointing. No pointing. Okay. <laughs> no nudging, okay? I learned that when we were, you know, learning about the things of the Lord. And, you know, we'd be at service and they'd be saying stuff. And I, I had to resist myself. To... Did you hear that, Marianne? Did you hear that? Hallelujah. Okay. Verses, uh, Romans 8, 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, do what? No, just talk bad about him. Just say, you know what? You deserve that. You know, I hope you (laughs) No. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil. But overcome evil with good. Is that possible? Is that really, really going to work? There's a story in the Bible about Elijah. They came to get him. Remember when he was on the wall, there's a multitude of people coming to get him, and he told his servant, you know, there's more with us than there are with them, and he looked and he went like, wait a minute, one, two of us, and there's a multitude out there. What are you talking about? He says, open your eyes. And he opened up his eyes, he saw all the angels, you know, around about. So... They they uh, they blinded the enemy. They came into the city, and they had them all surrounded in the courtyard. And so they asked Elijah, "So what should we do with these people? What would you do? Okay, these guys are out to kill you. You know they're really you know they have no mercy. And so now you have them captured in your courtyard. You can do anything that you want. They're blind. They can't do anything. What would you do? Anybody? Send them back? Is one. Anybody else? Go. Forgive them sing to him, right Joe? Do a little karaoke. Okay, guys. <laughs> Jump the line. We're jumping the line. <laughs> no, what he did, what he did is he he had a banquet for them. He did the scripture before it even was a scripture. He says if your enemy, they were enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. And he fed the horses and he fed they had a banquet. And they're going like, what is going on here? We came to kill you, and you gave us a banquet. Isn't that something? And so guess what? The Bible says that they left, and they never came back again, never came back to torment or to to fight Elijah. Can you do that? You got an enemy? Beat him. Give him something to drink. Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. So now uh, I'm going to give some scripture here, because, you know, the Holy Spirit has to help us do this, because we can't do this on our own, right? You ever had to forgive somebody? I know I had to forgive somebody one time, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me do this. You have to arrange a situation where I'm alone with this person, and it seems like it's not confrontational. And sure enough, we got in a situation where our backs were to each other, and I just said, you know, brother, I'm sorry for that. And you go, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I'm, I forgive you. I'm sorry, too. I mean, it's like God can orchestrate it if you give it to him. Right? So here's a scripture that we want to look at in the love chapter. If You want the Holy Spirit to take hold of your life and to be able to do these things. Let's look what he wants us to do. In verse 4, it says, love endures how long? Forever. Long. Long. How long is long? It's not, it's not a time. It's an attitude. I'm long-suffering. I endure long. I don't get upset. doesn't matter what you do. And patient and kind. So even when you're waiting, it's not like, okay, I'm waiting. You're not enduring and being patient and kind. <laughs> you, ever go, you ever go to the market and, I mean, I go to the market sometimes, and the lady sees that I'm in a hurry. She's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, I, I'm patient and kind. I have to be, you know, long-suffering. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. That's easy to do. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It is not touchy. What, what do you want? What do you want? Don't, I'm, don't you say I'm doing something here? Not touchy, or fretful, or resentful. Takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That, that's an accounting term. Takes no account. Not like, okay, that's that's the second time you've done that. You know, in this week alone. Okay. <laughs> Takes no account. No, it's not. I'm not counting. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Some people say stuff and you you have to what? Pay no attention to it. I'm not, did you, what? you said something? Oh, I didn't didn't hear that. Praise the Lord. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. It's so easy to talk about people when they do something wrong. Amen. Am I hitting home here a little bit? Just throw the rock into the crowd and... Whoever screams, that's, you know, when they say, if there's a pack of dogs and you throw a rock and one of the dogs yells, that means you hit him. <laughs> so, uh, does not rejoice. Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Gee, they, they really deserved it, you know. I've been trying to tell them about that, but look what happened. Oh, my gosh. But rejoices when right and truth prevail. Now here we go. Bears up, love bears up under everything and anything that comes. Anything and everything, anything. Any, I can't bear this. Oh, yeah, but love can. Isn't that good news? Love can bear up under anything and everything that comes. Ever ready to believe the best of every person. Well, maybe, maybe they were thinking this. Maybe they're thinking that, you know. They have a good heart. Maybe you misunderstood them. Believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Doesn't matter what's happening. I believe the best. I believe that this person is going to change. God's working on. Them. I'm going to pray for them. Huh? Pray the for them, really? Uh, endures everything without weakening. Endure. You know, in marriage, in family life, you have to endure everything without weakening, not giving up. Let the Lord strengthen you. So, and the and the end of it is love never fails. So if you operate in love and you're doing what you're supposed to do, God will get the other person. God will work on the other person when you do what you're supposed to do. I told you the story about me and my wife, we went into a counseling session, and, and I had, we both had lists of things that we were uh, concerned about the other person. <laughs> we had lists 12 to 15 things, and we went there, we, we sat down, and the pastor came into the room, and he goes, what you got there? I, go, I got a list of things that, you know, needs to be corrected in here, you know. <laughs> She says, I got, I got some things, too. And so he said, I'm not refereeing this fight. You just do what you're supposed to do as a husband and as a wife and as a Christian, and God will work everything out. And that was the end of the counseling session. He walked out of the room. And we looked at each other with our papers. We go like, well, what about this? Okay, well, I guess we'll treat each other, you know, the way we're supposed to. And then, believe it or not, a year later, we looked at the, the sheets, and we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. When the one person did what they were supposed to do, it made the other person respond. There's a story about this uh, woman that went into a, uh, the pastor's office and said, I'm sick of my husband. I can't stand him. He doesn't pay attention to me. He doesn't listen to me. He's rude. He's unmannerly. I, don't, I can't live with him anymore. I want to divorce him. And the pastor said, okay, go ahead. No. The pastor said, here's what you're going to do. You, you, really, you really don't like this guy, right? Right. I said, do you want to really get at him? Yes. He says, for the next 30 days, just do everything he asks you to do. Just be kind and sweet and loving and, and cook for him and clean for him. And whatever he wants you to do, you do it with a smile on your face. Okay. And he says, after the end of 30 days, you can drop him like a bad habit. And, and she said, okay, that's a good idea. So for 30 days, she was just the sweetest, lovingest wife all around, what do you need, baby, I love you, and all these things. And at the end of 30 days, she went back to the pastor and said, "Uh, uh, okay, pastor, I, I put in my 30 days. He said, are you ready to divorce him? She said, oh, no, I would never divorce him. He's the sweetest, nicest, kindest husband I ever had. Because she did what she was supposed to do, he responded, he reciprocated the love and the kindness that she had. Amen? That's for all those that want to know that. So my prescription is the Word of God because the Holy Spirit works with the Word. When you put the Word into your heart, the Holy Spirit brings it into action. And so I tell people, meditate on this scripture, read it every day, and watch God work in your heart and in your life because the Word of God is planted into soil, your heart, and it grows. The Bible says that the seed is planted and it grows and you don't you don't know how you got this little seed and you put it in the ground and you water it and all of a sudden it starts sprouting up. You go, I don't know how that happened. The seed has the power to grow all by itself. If you put this seed on the inside of you, it'll grow and you'll start doing things that you didn't think you could do. You won't pay attention to a suffered wrong. You won't consider an evil done to you, right? You'll bear up under anything and everything that comes. And you you wonder, like, how how did that happen? What happened to me? It's on the inside. He took care of it on the inside. So my wife and I, we used to do this when we were uh, young. <laughs> we're still young, right? You know, I I started to say this. I don't know why, but when I met Marianne, I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. That was it. That's the girl I wanted. You know, nothing, nothing would separate us from the love of God. But what I didn't realize is we were going to get old together. I mean, I'm like, this is weird, you know? <laughs> we showed the old videos. I go, like, who are those people up there, you know? <laughs> but that was 40 years ago. And my, my wife told my son, your, your dad was a very handsome man. And, and she said, what happened? <laughs> I told him, you, I'll, I'll look at your pictures 40 years from now. Let's see how you fare. You know? <laughs> but anyway, praise God. So we, <laughs> tough crowd over here, tough crowd. Okay, so if you study this, and my wife and I would study this so because we could, you know, we had some, some uh, you know, what do you call it? We, we, had, we needed some sand, heavenly sandpaper to remove our abrasive qualities. Can I get a name in? And so we would study this, and then we'd ask each other, well, how am I doing on this endure long and patient and kind? And I thought I did like about an eight. She said, oh, you about a four? I go, four? you got to be kidding me, because in the beginning, people are not going to notice that you've changed. So it's a continual, just keep doing it, and then all of a sudden, it'll hit them. Oh, they're, they're not getting mad. They're, they're, they're calm. That's beautiful. So, so you do all these things, and all of a sudden, it'll take hold of your life, and you'll see a change. Now, why do we do this? So that the Lord will bless us. Don't, doesn't, don't you bless your children and take care of them when they do the right thing? Yes. Amen. So when you're doing God's thing, God's saying, I'll bless you for it. I'll take care of you for it. So we have a a testimony of of Diane Johnson. Remember I told you last week she called me to uh, pray over her for a job interview, and I said, I don't have a magic wand. I can't just like, you got the job. But she actually applied herself to these scriptures and to tithing and to giving, and she got a job uh, that she's been believing for, but her boss was giving her a hard time for what? Three weeks, three months? No, three years. That's a long time to have abrasive behavior and put downs and you know, not being not talked very nice and getting overworked and everything. But she was kind, she considered, she finally had to go to HR and say, you know, this woman found out she was doing it to everybody. But because God saw her, the Bible says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. She went to the job, and she's got the job that she's always wanted. Why? Now, what if... And she said she's been doing this for her family, her friends, wherever she was at. She let the Lord change her heart. And God said, I see that. I'm going to take care of you with that. I'm going to give you favor. So whatever you need in this life, amen, do the things God has called you to do. A new commandment that I've taught you, to love one another as I have loved you, and watch your life change. Amen? So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. We just rejoice that we have a, 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 an agenda or an uh, outline on how to walk in love, how to take these words, put them into our heart, and see them manifested in our lives so that we can be loving and kind to one another and love others as Christ has loved us. So Father, I thank you that as we take this challenge, the love challenge, we'll see our lives change a little bit at a time, and we'll see day after day that that word will change us, and we'll be blessed of the Almighty doing his will, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.